0: Today's episode of the Essential Tennis Podcast is brought to you by TennisTours.com, where you can receive a discount off your next purchase of professional tennis event tickets and travel packages by using the promotional code ESSENTIAL. Before we get to today's topic on the podcast, I want to remind you guys about the video section of EssentialTennis.com. Some of you guys may not know that I do instructional videos as well, there's many of them up, up there for free on the website. Just go to EssentialTennis.com and click on video in the menu on the upper left-hand corner. All right, let's go ahead and get down to business. Sit back, relax, and get ready for some great tennis instruction. All right, let's get started. And today's topic is going to be focused towards you doubles players, and specifically covering the lob, which is very often a difficult shot for recreational players to cover. And our question today comes to us from Michelle in Massachusetts, who's a 3.5 level player. She wrote to me and said, How do I deal with ladies who lob in a doubles match? I had a match the other day with two women who would constantly lob us. We tried different formations only for them to hit nicely down the line or lob back, keeping us off the net. We did try to stay two back when they served or even a foot or two inside the service box to try to react to the lob. Eventually it got to us, me in particular. I started to play their game instead of mine. I like to play aggressively and attack the net, but that was just not happening. They got almost everything back that we gave them with a lob. (laughs) At times we would get a point or two when we hit at the net person, but it was just not enough. It was not enjoyable to play and couldn't believe that we had to play for another hour like this. I walked away from that match incredibly mad at myself for allowing those women to make me feel so inadequate in my abilities and left me with little respect for them in their game of tennis." Well, Michelle, sounds like a a really frustrating match, and I I definitely feel for you. And this is a pattern that I see repeated all the time at the the club where I teach and other clubs where I've taught. Recreational doubles players very often—well, there's two things here. First of all, recreational doubles players very often struggle with— Covering the lob and with with overheads in general, and secondly uh, on the flip side of the coin, recreational devils players are very often frequent lobbers, and uh, you know for good reason if you're if you're playing a team that's not great at covering it then it, it's a good strategy and i'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, so let me uh, go to my my outline here and we're going to be spending all of today's show on this because I think it's a very important topic and i've got uh, a large outline here having to do with how to cover this and and play more effectively at the net, Michelle, for, for you and for everybody else listening. First of all, I want to congratulate you on your your good doubles tactics in general. It sounds like you're comfortable moving into the net, and that's awesome. Congratulations on that. I work extremely hard with my doubles students to improve their transition game and their net game to get them comfortable moving up to the net. Very often, beginner players are not comfortable up there, and so at, at a 3.5 level, to, to have that be kind of your main game style in your doubles play, I think is, is great. So nice job working on that. However, there needs to be a balance in your abilities. The more that you move in, the better you need to be able to back up. You cannot just have one or the other. Um, you You can't be one-sided. It's kind of like a car. Um, I'm kind of a car person. Uh, The the faster the car that you have, the better the brakes have to be. (laughs) The you can't uh, when you're modifying a car, you can't spend all your money and time on the engine and not also upgrade the brakes because the faster you get going and the faster you're able to get going fast, uh, the faster you also need to be able to slow down. Otherwise, it's just not safe. And I look, at, I look at that the same way in doubles. The faster you move in towards the net, the faster you also need to be able to retreat in order to cover behind you. If you're only good at one or the other, you're going to leave large spaces of court open. Now, I, I want to talk about one other thing here, Michelle. Before we actually get started talking on, on what to change and how to improve this part of your game, I'm going to lecture you a little bit. And I, well, I, I was going to apologize for that, but you know what? I'm not going to apologize for it. Um, uh, you, you said that, let's see, where is that section? It was not enjoyable to play. couldn't believe that we had to play like that for another hour. I walked away from this match incredibly mad at myself for allowing those women to make me feel so inadequate. You should have stopped that sentence there. I wish that you hadn't finished your, your email to me by saying that you left with little respect for them and their game of tennis. I think that's a mistake. I think that's a big mistake. Don't disrespect them and their tennis skills. Uh, the reality is that they beat you fair and square. They, they didn't cheat you out of the match. Uh, you missed more shots than they did, and so they deserve to win the match. That's that's how tennis is played. Uh, if you and your partner were not able to keep enough shots in play, and if you were not uh, able to use those shots to challenge your opponents very effectively then, quite honestly, you didn't deserve to win the match. So to be frustrated with yourself for losing to that style of tennis, I completely understand. I'm on the same page with you. I would have been incredibly frustrated as well to lose to that type of player. Um, But to, to have little respect for their game... I I understand where you're coming from. You you feel like uh, for them to stay back and lob everything, maybe you know doesn't feel like as legitimate of a strategy. Uh, it's not a, a high level you know type strategy strategy, and probably not a strategy that's going to get them very far in doubles. Uh, in terms of long long term thinking, you know they're not going to become four or five players uh, sitting back there and just hitting lobs all day. Um, however, you do need to give them some respect you need to you need to shake their hand and say "Good match and you need to uh, in a way thank them uh, thank them that they have pointed out an area of your game that you need to work on uh, you should You should be happy about that uh, they 've shown you a part of your game uh, that does need to be improved if it didn't need to be improved, then you wouldn 't have lost this match. So don't don't worry about it and and certainly uh, don't diminish them um and I think that's, that's something that a lot of players do. Uh it's pretty common after playing a pusher as well uh somebody who plays a defensive baseline game uh after losing to that style of player very often recreational players badmouth them and say oh you know play the game you know you, you've got to hit stronger shots and um anyway in my opinion that's it's just not a legitimate complaint. Um so My lecture is over. (laughs) Let's move on uh, to more of the instructional uh, part of my outline here. I'm going to be going over four main elements of effectively covering the lob and being a well-rounded player up at the net. The first section, uh, the first out of the four areas, is going to be about court positioning. And you talked about this a little bit in your message, uh, saying that you guys tried to mix it up and, and play two back a little bit, and also um, just come in uh, just a little bit in front of the service line. It's good that you guys tried to make some changes, but I, I'm, I'm going to talk about this and make sure that everybody's on the same page and has a good understanding of how they should be positioning themselves during a doubles match. You don't want to oversell your position when you do come forwards to the net, to, to the net. Coming up to the net is an excellent tactic. It it pressures your opponents. um, It it forces them to have to try to hit a good shot, and it puts you in an, an offensive position to be able to try to put the ball away. So coming in is excellent, but you don't want to overdo it. You want to pressure your opponents without leaving large spaces of court open, and that includes behind you. Now, where exactly on the court you should position yourself depends on your opponents, and and this is the really, really important part of this. How often your opponents lob and how well they lob is going to determine exactly where on the court you put yourself from point to point, and you have to pay close attention to your opponents to be able to figure this out. And I wrote PAY ATTENTION in, in all caps on my outline. I, I wrote a couple of things in all caps uh, during this outline, and this is one of them. You have to pay close attention to what your opponents like to do during your doubles match. And Michelle, obviously, I, I don't think this was a problem for you. You guys obviously figured out early that your opponents like to lob, and you guys did try changing up your positions on the court. So I don't, I don't think this is where your problem was. I just want to make sure that that everybody understands that this is very, very important. You do not want to position yourself the same way for every opponent. That would just be poor tactics. And some examples of that would be like uh, what Michelle said. Um, her and her partner figured out that their opponents like to lob, and so they they started playing different positions on the court and uh, the two examples she gave was playing two back and also uh, being a little bit farther back than she typically would be. Uh, it sounds like when she normally plays the net, she, she likes to get close and try to put the ball away, but during this particular match, her and her partner were coming up to the net just inside the service line. So those are two good examples of ways that you guys can vary your positions on the courts in order to more closely cover that lob against a team that likes to lob. You also want to try experimenting with st- a staggered position at the net with your partner, meaning one of you is a little bit closer than the other. When you guys watch uh, professional doubles on TV, you will usually see this. You guys, uh, when you are watching a team that serves in volleys and returns in volleys, Watch just one half of the court. Watch that team and see how they position themselves. Rarely will you see both players even with each other when they're both at the net. One will be a little bit farther back and one will be a little bit closer. Uh, now, again, this this depends on your opponent's uh, lobbing tendencies, uh, as with everything uh, tactically when you guys are playing doubles. If they never lob at all, then you can stay pretty much together and go ahead and close into the net and get nice and close and really pressure your opponents. If they lob a lot, then you want to leave several feet between you and your partner in terms of your, your depth, meaning one of you should be several feet closer to the net and the other one several feet closer to the baseline. This this puts one posi- one of you in a slightly more aggressive position and the other uh partner the, the other person your partner in a slightly more defensive position. This is good because you guys can kind of have your cake and eat it too a little bit. And um exactly how much space you leave between yourselves and um exactly how close both of you are again is going to going to depend on how much your your opponents like to lob and how how good they are at it. Uh but In case you haven't tried that before, Michelle, try doing more of a staggered position. That'll leave your your partner close to the net to try to put the ball away or, or you close to the net and the other player a little bit farther away so that she is ready to go back and cover behind that close person in case a good lob goes over her head. So that wraps up my, my first section on court positioning. Just a couple of really important things to understand. Next up, I want to talk about anticipation and preparedness when you're up at the net. You need to be ready. And this, I'm going to start off this section by saying, again, you need to notice your opponent's tendencies closely. Pay close attention to what your opponents like to do and this is of the utmost importance. You need to know. You need you need to pay attention to this, and so many doubles teams just don't, and they just continue playing the way they always play their doubles. They don't make any adjustments, and it's because they're not even paying attention to what's going on. Once you've been inside the service line for several shots during a point, you need to start looking for the lob. You need to anticipate it. Don't close in inside the service line to try to put the ball away And assume that everything's going to be just fine and you've got nothing to worry about and you're about to close out the point. Once you've made it in front of the service line and you've hit one or two volleys and haven't finished the point yet, start looking for the lob on purpose, especially if the ball is traveling towards somebody who's on the baseline. If your opponents are still in a one-up, one-back position and you and your partner are at the net, and especially if one or both of you are well inside the service line, Just go ahead and expect that a lob is going to come, assuming you're not putting the ball away. Now, if both of your opponents are also at the net, hitting a good lob volley or a half-volley lob or um, any lob, really, from at the net over another net player is, is a really tough shot. But if they're playing one up, one back, and you or your partner hit to the back person, and you or your partner or both of you are both inside the service line, pretty much expect that they're going to lob. And Michelle and everybody else who plays at a 3-0 or 3-5 level, this is going to happen a lot. And you guys know it. Those of you who are playing at a 3-5 level or below, you know that your opponents very often like to lob. So don't be surprised by it. Look for it. You need to start anticipating it and paying closer attention. Uh, Next up, under anticipation and, and preparedness, read your opponents' Read their position on the court. So you, uh, again, uh, going back to being one up, one back. If the ball is going towards the back player, look for, look for that lob. Swing technique and racket face. Look at how they're preparing their racket and look at the angle of the strains. If they, if they turn themselves to the side and they take their racket back up at shoulder height and the racket face is closed... Look for a drive they're They're about to hit a, a strong drive to try to pass you or your partner or both of you obviously if If they're um, facing the net and the racket just gets taken back low and the racket face is uh, is open, it's facing up towards the sky, they're about to lob, and you, you need to watch these little details um, the The closer you start to watch your opponents, the more of these these types of cues you'll start to pick up on. And they're very important because they'll help you anticipate what's coming next so that you can be ready mentally and physically to be able to cover whatever shot they try to hit. Lastly, under anticipation and preparedness, I'd like to talk about the use of the split step and also your initial reaction to the lob, when it does go up into the air. The split step is incredibly important in all aspects of tennis, whether you're a singles player, a doubles player, whether you're at the nets or at the baseline. It's of the utmost importance that you guys do use a split step to prepare yourself, to balance yourself, and to be ready to move for anything. I very often see doubles players close into the net, and as their opponent hits the next shot they are still in mid-stride and still moving forwards. They're still actively moving forwards and taking steps towards the net as the ball goes up into the air, and that's a huge mistake. Your balance is leaning forwards towards the net, and your feet are actively moving in the wrong direction. That, That can't happen if you want to be able to cover the entire court effectively. So what you need to do is make your split step right as they're making contact with their shot, no matter what it happens to be, So that you're ready to move in any direction. If it is a lob, you're balanced. If it's a drive, you're balanced. If it's to your right or to your left or low at your feet, you're prepared. Please don't make the mistake of not split-stepping and just running into the net without being ready to move. So uh, that's the split-step. Secondly, after you've made your split-step, your opponent has uh, made contact with the ball, and it is going up into the air as a lob, move immediately. This is another thing that I have in my outline that's in all caps. And obviously, you know, this seems incredibly obvious. Uh, I mean, yeah, sure. Yeah, I need to move right away. But uh, recreational players, uh, there's kind of a... uh, a disconnect in in reality in my experience between uh, how hard club players think that they're working and and how quickly they're reacting and what's actually happening. I so often see a lob go up into the air when both players are at the net in a doubles point, and I watch the net players literally watch the ball go into the air, see the see the lob get to about uh, its apex to about the height you know the, the highest point in its path and then kind of go, oh, crap, and then turn around and start to run. And that is absolutely too late. Uh, The split step should prepare your feet to move. And as soon as you see that racket face open up, and as soon as the ball comes off the strings and it goes up into the air, both players need to move immediately. It's extremely important. And once they start to move back towards the ball or wherever it happens to be going... Both players need to start to communicate and talk. This is another very important part of of covering the lob is communication. And I could I'd definitely do a whole other uh, section just on the communication part of it. But suffice it to say for right now that both players need to move and then start to talk and work out as early as possible who's going to cover which shot. It's extremely, extremely important. So that, that brings us halfway through. We, we've talked about court positioning and we've talked about anticipation and preparedness two more points to go before i get to those last two points i want to tell you guys about my sponsor of the show today on the essential tennis podcast and that is championship tennis tours that can be found at tennis-tours.com since 1987 they've been putting together individual ticket sales to professional tennis events as well as complete travel packages to, to go and watch professional ten- tennis players play, which is an amazing experience. If you appreciate the Essential Tennis Podcast, if you've learned from it, please go check them out and uh, and show them that you appreciate their support of the podcast. They, they help finance my time here. They're they're, they're a paid sponsor of the podcast. And um, if we can keep them happy (laughs) and keep them as an advertiser, that will absolutely help me to continue doing more of what I'm doing here at Essential Tennis and uh, and to continue moving me towards doing this full time. So go check them out. And uh, what I've been talking about recently... That they're offering is their U.S. Open packages, and you can choose between two different hotels, a four- and five-star hotel. You can choose what type of ticket you would like, courtside, lodge, or promenade, and they also throw in a Broadway performance, a, uh, a t- tickets to a Mets or a Yankees game, which is pretty cool, or a city tour, and you get a limousine shuttle uh, to the U.S. Open and back to your hotel, which is pretty sweet. So go check them out. Check out their packages to the U.S. Open. If you're going to go to the U.S. Open anyway, you have no excuse. Go check them out right now. Uh, you can buy either individual tickets or one of these incredible packages. And as an extra bonus, if you use the promotional code ESSENTIAL, they will give you a special invitation to a Essential Tennis Podcast and Championship Tennis Tours cocktail party in Times Square during the U.S. Open, I'll have more information on that in the near future. But I thank them very much support of the. Po- I thank them very much for their support of the podcast. Please go check them out and thank them by making your next purchase through tennis dot com. All right, let's finish up by talking about the. Last two elements of moving back and covering a lob effectively in doubles, we've already talked about court positioning and anticipation. Next up, we're going to talk about footwork and the way that you actually physically move back to cover a lob when you're at the net. And This is going to apply for you singles players as well. is extremely important. You need to move back sideways to the net, meaning uh, let's say that you've made a split step. And that means that you're facing forwards and your shoulders are parallel to the net. You're facing forwards towards your opponents. Once they put that lob up and you realize you're going to have to move back, or even it, actually, I take that back, no matter where you have to move, you need to turn yourself 90 degrees to the side and get yourself sideways to the net. Now, if you're a right-handed player, you're going to do that by taking your right foot and pivoting it around, sliding your right foot around back behind you and getting your stance closed so that your body is sideways. So if you're a right-handed player, your right foot will go back so that your left shoulder is pointing forwards towards your opponents. If you're a left-handed player, it's the opposite. Your left foot will slide around and pivot around your, your right foot and go back behind you to get yourself turned to the side. This is extremely important for a few reasons. And this is a huge recreational player mistake when trying to move back. Uh, a lot of recreational players move back towards the baseline to recover a lob with their heels first, meaning they'll stay facing towards the net, and they will they will backpedal with their heels first, back towards the baseline, and try to move back to cover uh, a lob that way to try to hit an overhead, assuming they're not actually turning around and running back towards the baseline. This is a big mistake. First of all, it's slow. It's not an athletic position to move in. There are times when backpedaling is an appropriate way to move around a tennis court, but not in this circumstance. It's much slower than the alternative, which I'll talk about in a second. Secondly, it's dangerous. I have seen multiple people move back in this way with their heels first and get tripped up because it's very difficult to balance when you're backpedaling quickly. Um, we 're just not designed to, to move that way, guys. Uh, I mean we don 't have toes back there uh, to keep our balance you just you're, if, when you 're on your heels and moving quickly backwards it 's very easy to trip up and fall back and i 've seen people whack the back of their head on the court uh, behind them after tripping and falling and uh, i 've also seen people break their hand uh, that way, tripping and trying to brace themselves with their hand uh, so uh, honestly it 's dangerous to move back that way. never mind that it 's slow. And then uh, thirdly, when you move back that way, it does not turn your body to the side. And that's that's a problem because it doesn't allow you to hit as strong of an overhead. Uh, Think about hitting your serve. Hopefully, you do not face forwards and hit your serve while facing towards the net. You turn sideways first so that you can rotate your body forwards towards your target and create power by using the rotation of your core. We want to do that on every overhead possible. So by taking your uh, dominant uh, foot, uh, well, the foot of your dominant side, right-handed player your right foot, left-handed player your left foot, and by moving it back and getting sideways, you avoid all of those things. And obviously that's a good thing. Now um, the way that you should move back is with either a side shuffle or by crossing over and uh, actually using a crossover step. Um, either one is fine. They're both faster. They're both safer. They both get you turned to the side. A crossover step takes a little bit more athleticism, but it's faster. Um, I, I see some players use a combination. Uh, maybe they'll cross over their first two or three steps and then go to a shuffle to kind of find, fine-tune their positioning on the courts. But no matter what, make sure you get to the side and then use whatever footwork is comfortable for you there. But if you can work out a side shuffle uh, or, or uh, a side step, Uh, crossover step, you're going to be in much better shape than moving back heels first. All right, so that's footwork. And the last element here of being able to cover that lob effectively is your actual overhead. And Michelle, I want you to work on your overhead so that it becomes more of a weapon. If you want to continue advancing as a doubles player, and if the rest of you listening want to continue to improving uh, to improve your doubles game or just your net game in general, you need to make your overhead a priority during your practice time. Spend time practicing your overhead. And all too often when I'm running uh, team practices during the week uh, where I teach, when it comes time to work on the overhead, everybody's like, "Oh, no." Not the overhead. I don't I don't want to work on this because players aren't comfortable and confident with their overhead. Well, how do you think you're going to get comfortable with it and confident with it? You've got to start hitting it a lot. You've got to practice it. Um, take a few lessons. If you've got the time and the money, uh, go to your local club and get a couple lessons from a professional about um, your overhead technique. You can improve your your overhand uh, throwing motion to get more power and and to get better placement and and have a more effective overhead, Uh, so take take some lessons if you can. Also, uh, I want to point out that the goal of the overhead should be to finish a point. When you get an overhead in the middle of a doubles point, you should be looking to close the point out. It should be an aggressive shot whenever possible. It's not always the case. When, when a lob is hit really well and you're having a hard time just to get to it, sometimes it's not practical or even possible to try to hit an aggressive overhead. But you guys should be working towards a goal of having your overhead be a weapon so that you enjoy getting lobbed. <laughs> when I, and I tell students this all the time. When they complain, uh, when they come back and, and have a story, much like Michelle's, uh, when I introduce this topic and my students tell me, wow, I... I, I had a doubles match. It didn't go very well. I was coming up to the net just like you you always tell me to, Ian, and they lobbed every time and all of their lobs hit right on the back of the line on the baseline and it was incredible. And um I don't buy it. <laughs> First of all, uh average level players are not great lobbers. It's a tough it's a tough shot to hit a, a really good lob uh deep in the court. Now it it will happen, don't don't get me wrong. Um but most of the time uh, when we're talking about recreational players and a team that lobs a lot, uh, a team that gets beat by a lobbying team, usually uh, it's more be- more due to poor footwork, poor poor communication skills with their partner, uh, poor positioning, and just the missing of overheads in general that is the ultimate reason for losing the match. Not a slew of perfectly hit lobs. Um, it can happen, but very rarely. Um, And so you guys need to continue working on your overhead, develop it so that eventually in the future, you enjoy getting lobbed, uh, you know, not if it's on the baseline, that will happen sometimes, but you you should enjoy getting a lob over you that you can hit an overhead on uh, because it should become a weapon to be able to put the ball away. So Michelle, hopefully I answered your question and uh, Michelle, by the way, is coming to the Baltimore Essential Tennis Clinic coming up in just a couple of weeks. And uh, Michelle, I really look forward to working with you in person on this. We will be covering uh, these types of topics during the clinic in Baltimore. So um, I'll get to see you in person and, and work with you on all of these different aspects. Uh, again, we had four main aspects of covering the lob well, and that was court positioning, anticipation and being prepared, correct footwork, and improving your overhead and having a more solid overhead if you guys can work on all four of those areas you will get beat by the lob much less i promise you so michelle that's it hopefully that was helpful uh, helpful to you feel free to send me an email with any follow-up questions and thanks very much for being a listener thank you for your excellent question that i could talk about today That does it for episode number 118 of the Essential Tennis Podcast. Thank you very much for joining me today, for downloading the file, and for giving it a listen. Hopefully it was helpful to you. If you ever have any questions of your own, you can feel free to send me an email at ian at essentialtennis.com, or if you go to essentialtennis.com and click on Contact, there's a form that you can fill out. That also goes directly to me, and I have a a running list of podcast topics that I'm going to be getting to in the future, and I answer those in the order that they were received. So sometimes it takes a little while for me to get to people's questions, but I do always talk about whatever topics people send me messages about, which I enjoy doing. If you enjoyed today's show, do me a favor and go to iTunes and rate and submit a, a, a comment about the essential tennis podcast that helps my ratings over there at Apple uh, the, the iTunes music store which is the biggest source of downloads for the podcast. So, if the show's been helpful to you, uh, do me a favor, spend a couple minutes and uh, rate the rate the show and also leave a a comment and I would appreciate that. All right, that does it for this week. Take care everybody and good luck with your tennis.